Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Well, good Monday afternoon and welcome to another week of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. We're glad to have you on the show with us this afternoon. Dick Vogel, former head of the uh, Southern Miss Eagle Club, will be joining us here in just a few minutes to talk about what the Administration is up against in searching for a new football coach. Kelly Sander will be uh, kicking in later in the program, and uh, we're glad you're with us. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit. We love the guys at Dickey's. We appreciate their support of our program. Their dining rooms are open again. You can enjoy the best barbecue in the Pine Belt uh, seven days a week at the Dickey's right by the Hattiesburg Mall. You can uh, go pick it up, take it home, or they'll even deliver it right to your front door. But however... You choose barbecue, just be sure that you choose Dickie's Barbecue. Well, another gloomy and depressing Saturday for the Golden Eagles as they're just thoroughly outmanned by the Rice Owls, who had only played one game all season long. And I guess if you want a summary of the game, look at the statistics in the fourth quarter where Rice held the football for 13 minutes and 11 seconds to a minute and 49 seconds uh, that the Golden Eagles could keep control of the football I don't know that I've ever seen a stat quite like that. And Luke, I guess if I look at it, uh, it's sort of like um, it's sort of like Tulane uh, chapter two. But uh, let's hear what interim what the interim football coach had to say about the performance Saturday. Well, I'm getting that ready for you, Bob. It's okay. yeah. It to, to me, it was uh, Tulane Part Two, and I'll and I'll talk a little bit about it a little later when Kelly's on. But just the the aspect of how a few things go wrong, and while a few things are going right, and then all of a sudden the bottom falls out, and you lose your starting quarterback, your your uh, backup quarterback is not available, and then all of a sudden, wow. Yeah, where where we can't nothing can can go right for us. Here's what Coach Billings had to say about the game, and then uh, in a, in a few minutes about the state of the team. Uh, you no, know, obviously we're disappointed in the game versus Rice. Uh, but after the game, um, I think we've made some changes on defense that little by little are going to help us. I thought we played hard on defense uh, in the second half. Uh, we pretty much eliminated a lot of the big plays that. Uh, We've been given up, and so uh, I was proud of that. I just think and hope that as we go through these next few games that we keep improving there. Obviously, uh, offensively, we're disappointed. really hurt losing Jack and, of course, Tate being out. So, uh, uh, again, our, our goal is to be more productive there. And uh, I, the kids, after after uh, we had to, we practiced last night, uh, seems to be in good spirits, and so we, we didn't know it's uh, – we talked about that game, the issues we had, what we got to improve on, and now we're to the next. Coach Billings uh, later on was asked about, you know, how, how do you approach not only the players, 
but the coaching staff, um, with just the uncertainty of the season and uncertainty of the future, here's what he had to say about that. To be positive, you know, right now it's about being positive with the kids, uh, with everything that's going on, uh, being positive with the coaches. You know, the coaches, you know, I, I told them after the game, you know, uh, uh, as a coaching staff, we need to live out what we try to teach these guys. You know, all the adversity we've had this year, all the, you know, the fight through it and, and, uh, you know, come every day to work and let's be, you know, everything we do is make sure that we're, we do everything perfectly and we don't leave any stone unturned. And, you know, as a coach now with the situation, the new guy coming in, you know, these, these are coaches that have got families and, and children and, and, uh, they're, you know, they're worried about what's, what's next for them in their life. And so, uh, there's as much adversity with the coaching staff that there is with all the things going on with the players and COVID and all that. And so, uh, the one thing I'm impressed with is these coaches that are working hard and they're, they're coming to work every day and, uh, they're, they're earning their paycheck. And even my job is to make sure that's what we're doing. And, and I'm just blessed that we have a coaching staff that, uh, uh, they're not looking to the future. They're looking to this week and giving our kids the best opportunity and the best plan to be successful, have an opportunity. So, yeah, Bob, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a way to explain Saturday, you know, unprecedented, and it's unprecedented in the same atmosphere of a season that's unprecedented where everybody's facing things, but no one in the country facing what the Golden Eagles have faced uh, week to week. Well, the defense gives up 412 yards of offense again. Uh, we've ridiculed the defense. Uh, they they haven't been very good. But this, of course, a week where the offense was unable to score a touchdown. Now consider that, you know, they were playing the third-string quarterback. Uh, but I don't know, Luke. Uh, North Alabama, I would suspect they have a chance to beat North Alabama and will be favored uh, in that game. But – Right now, it uh, it does not look good for the rest of the year. And I, and I guess what you have to do is you have to look ahead. And you have to hope that the kids play as hard as they can play the rest of the year. Uh, Jeremy McClain, uh, who we have a lot of confidence in, makes a good uh, hire. And, uh, you know, once again, we, we find us kind of starting over the football program at the end of the year. You agree with that? Yeah, I, I do. And it was, again, it was one of those games where the Eagles started hot. They moved the ball quick. They moved the ball 60 yards in, in eight plays on the first play of the game. They get down to fourth and two. Manageable. They get stopped. Uh, they, they get the ball back after a rice punt. They drive back down, get inside the 30, and they throw an interception. Uh, three, inter- three turnovers for the Golden Eagles in the first half. That led to 16 rice points. Really, the, the two big plays for me, Bob, of course, with Jack got knocked out, that was a turnover, but your, your starting quarterback is, is gone. But even before that, Rice is up 10 to nothing, and we muff the kickoff. We fumble the kickoff return, and they get it back, and they score a touchdown the next play. I felt like that zapped, that play zapped a lot of our confidence. And then when Jack went out, you know, that, that just really stuck everything else. Trello came in and, you know, at the end of the first half, he made some really nice throws. He was, you know, moving around and, and he got us uh, in a position to kick a field goal. But in the second half, um, we threw, attempted three passes, really never let him, you know, throw the ball in the second half. And, and I thought kind of the play calling went way, way conservative 
in the third quarter, and that may have been because of personnel or uh, because of the situations. But you know, Golden Eagles only had the ball three times in the second half, and as you said, yeah, kind of an unheard of statistic, seven minutes and 51 seconds of uh, possession in the second half for Southern Miss. I want to talk about something kind of bright. I enjoy watching really good kids play football. Frank Gore Jr., he, he's a bright spot. He you know If he sticks around, he's going to be a big star at Southern Miss. And uh, even though he played for the other team, uh, Luke, you got to be impressed with this Trammell kid that plays wide out for Rice. He looked big, big time Saturday afternoon. He did. That's uh, five touchdowns for him in the first two games. And I was talking, I caught up with J.P. Heath right after the game and was able to talk to him. Um, you know, J.P. made the comment about Mike Collins, their quarterback. Uh, this was a, a guy, graduate transfer from TCU, started four games for the Horned Frogs on, um, in 2018, beat Baylor, beat Kansas State. And what J.P. told me, he said, we didn't know what we were going to get out of Mike Collins. He said, but he's really like a quarterback that we don't get at Rice. And, and I think that, you know, some of that, the throws that he made, um, specifically the long throw, our, our quarterback, our, our cornerback, you know, uh, missed, missed the pick and Trammell goes to the house 70 plus yards. Uh, that is Trammell. Um, but man, Mike Collins had two or three just, you know, put it in the, the eye of the needle throws, especially the touchdown to Trammell in the north end zone. And then he rolled to his right and hit a big third down completion. And so right. what JP was saying, even more than Trammell, Mike Collins, uh, they did not expect when he transferred to, um, from TCU, they didn't expect they would get the type of offensive output from him. Eight touchdowns in the first two games. 12-17, 233 yards and four touchdowns Saturday afternoon. You know, give him credit. This Rice team's really improved. You know, the, the coaching staff out there, uh, they, they got Rice moving in the right direction, Luke. They do, and, and it was exactly uh, l- later in the game, exactly what Rice wanted to do. They got a lead, and there you see all those uh, Stanford running plays that, that Bloomgren ran uh, when he was under Coach Shaw out, out in, in California. So they, they just that, that's how they were able to dominate like, like they would. You look at their second-half drives. Uh, Rice held the ball. One drive was five minutes. Another drive was nine minutes, and that was in the fourth quarter. And uh, I think Southern Miss – I'm looking at this. They had a nine-minute drive in the third quarter. That's what it was. And then uh, they had a five-minute drive in the fourth quarter. And they were just able to run the football, just march down the field. That big drive started on the the Rice 12-yard line at the end of the third quarter. 16 plays, 88 yards. Well, if you're able to dominate the line of scrimmage and and dominate the clock and dominate the football game. If you're a coach, that's what you want to see out of your football team. When we come back. Of course, now all the speculation is going to who, who will be the next Southern Miss football coach. The former head of the Eagle Club, Dick Vogel, knows a lot about what goes in financially to making these kind of hires. He's going to share his thoughts with us next. Should be interesting. Dick Vogel on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Bob and Luke, we're in the First Bank Studios here in 
Hattiesburg and Laurel, and always appreciative of First Bank for their support and sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Dick Vogel scheduled to be with us on the show. Had a little trouble reaching him. Hopefully we'll get uh, catch up with Dick, have him on uh, in the third segment. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. We appreciate their support as well, and what a great place for you to buy Southern Miss Apparel. The holidays now officially, I guess, now that it's November, I guess it's the official countdown to Christmas, as much as it pains me to say that. Uh, so it's time to start thinking about Christmas shopping, I suppose, and uh, uh, no better place if you've got a Golden Eagle on your list than Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. You can shop in person or you can shop online, and you'll always find the best selection of Southern Miss apparel. All right, we uh, located uh, Kelly Sanders, still working on uh, catching up with Dick for a little later in the show. Kelly, we were talking in the first uh, segment that's kind of like two-lane two. I have uh, never seen a team so badly dominated uh, in the fourth quarter. 13 minutes and 11 seconds, Rice held the football to a minute 49 for Southern Miss. Uh, where do you go at this point, Kelly? If, if, you know, if you're the interim coach, what do you do now? I got to hear a little bit of what what uh, Coach Billings, uh, you know, said at, at the press conference. Now, he he talked to some media outlets today and has said that uh, Tate Watley will not be available this coming weekend, but he expects Jack Abraham to be back. I was I, I just disappointment is just the word that comes to mind, Bob. I, I was at the it was at the game, and as, as I told you guys, and look, one of the things about this show is. We try to be brutally honest with, with fans. We're fans, but, but we can see both sides of the story. But I, I really felt good about that game. I really, I really thought that, uh, that, that that Rice game was a winnable game. I mean, it was pretty much a pick em game on the, on the Vegas lines. I just thought Southern Miss was, gonna, was going to play much better, and it, it just disappointing all the way around. Um, and now... You know, you just you just wonder in hope that the guys haven't quit. And I know that Coach Billings talked about that the coaches are still coaching hard and and things like that. And and of course, I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. Um, but the North Alabama game, you know, you hope that they can get back on track. And then then you got a conference game coming up after that against Western Kentucky, which is no juggernaut. I mean, the Hilltoppers are not the greatest thing since sliced bread, so I mean, it's a possibility where you could win two straight games, but, man, that was just a real, real disappointing game Saturday. Yeah, let's not just, get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> two no, straight, right. Yeah, let's yeah. not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, Luke, I guess North Alabama should be an easy win. Is, is that something we could say at this point? Well, they uh, they lost the last time out. They hadn't played in, in three weeks. They played um, October 17th. They only lost by seven to Jacksonville State, who already beat FIU this year in Conference USA. And uh, they got beat by Liberty in their first game, October 3rd. They only uh, The Flames beat them 28-7 to up in Lynchburg. So, you know, I mean, that's that's two teams um, that have, you know, scored, obviously, on uh, – or 3-0 Liberty is against Conference USA opponents, and Jacksonville State's 1-0 against Conference USA opponents as an <laughs> FCS school. They are 0-2. And uh, they only got four games on their schedule this year. They take on us uh, this Saturday, and then November 21st, they go play BYU. So, you know, I mean, if you look at North Alabama, they've, they've got about three weeks to prepare for the Golden Eagles. And to Kelly's point just a minute ago, I think what it shows, and again, I'm trying to process this as a player, uh, 
you, you've you've got to create something inside that locker room to, to, to play for because it would be very very easy right now to give up, and and I felt like when Jack got hurt, they they basically for all purposes you know halfway gave up, and it was just because you had built a little steam in the first quarter and then you turn it over and down. You drive again, you throw a pick, uh, you fumble a kickoff return, and then your leader goes out and. It's it's a team that is is very on the edge mentally. You know they just deal with confidence, and I mean you, you can't blame them. I and mean, there there comes a point where people will start asking questions. You know, are, are these coaches leaving because of me? Are these coaches leaving because of the the program? You know, are we not good? All those thoughts go through players' heads from time to time, and it, it really is difficult. So, with to Kelly's point, you got a very, 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 very winnable game Saturday. You may get some confidence back on that, and then you don't have to play FAU or UAB. You get Western Kentucky, who hasn't been good at all. So, yeah, I, you're just gonna have to take it from a confidence perspective, not one game at a time, one quarter at a time. Kelly, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And you know, confidence is really developed by having some level of success, and it was almost. It was almost after you know the, the, the some of the turnovers, and uh, you think, "Gosh, what could what could go wrong?" It's like everything went wrong, and I yes. just from a from a historical perspective on Southern Miss football, um, to, to think that we were manhandled by Rice. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. You know, in years past, you go down the schedule, and Rice is a gimme, UTEP is a gimme. You know, some of these other schools, it's, that's just low hanging fruit. And the fact that we just got demolished by Rice. I mean, we were talking about contending for conference championships in the past and being ranked nationally. And now the only rankings that we're being noted for is being at the bottom of not just the Conference USA rankings, but all of college football. And it's just, it's demoralizing. Um, So I guess there's no place to go but up. Yeah, and I hate to bring this up. Uh, forgive me for doing this, but you know, I, I think back to that that nightmare of Ellis Johnson. But you know, you got to remember, guys, they were playing East Carolina and Louisville and some pretty tough schools. Uh, I just wonder, are, are are we close to that, Kelly? I mean, is, is this season reminiscent of that? Yes and no. I mean, you can, you can because there's just been everything's been so quirky in 2020. And it can't, we can't get rid of 2020 quick enough. Um, but, yeah, you have to talk about that, you know, the level of competition. Um, I mean, even when Jeff Bauer was here, I mean, we were, when, when some people were disappointed where the program was going, but Bauer's teams were, were not only competing but winning against much stiffer competition. Right. Uh, and, and when you look at those um, Massey ratings, which, you know, people have, have criticized the Massey ratings, but they've had, you know, they've had Marshall ranked number one in Conference USA and Florida Atlantic, which we argued with, but it looks now like Massey knows what it's talking about. Because Florida Atlantic looks pretty doggone good now. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you, when you put things all into perspective, it's, it's, a, it's a fair question, although a little bit apples and oranges, but either, either math, new math, or old, Bob, it's not adding up very well. Luke, fair to say that even Ellis Johnson's teams had a much lever, a much tougher level of competition. Um, yes and no. I mean, I went back and I'm looking at the 2020 schedule right now. They played three top 25 teams. Uh, they played Nebraska on the road, and then they hosted Louisville and Boise State back to back weeks. 
in in Hattiesburg. Here's the thing, though, with the 2012 team. The 2012 team was was far more talented than this team. You were coming off a 12 uh, win season. You still had Jamie Collins on that roster. You had several other guys that either playing in the NFL or played or got attempts in the NFL. I would say that that team was was it, it, that's a different era of Southern Miss football, if that's the case. So that's why the blame is laid at Ellis Johnson so much more is because of what he took over. Yeah, you, you got a new quarterback. I got that. And Anthony Alford, who's playing professional baseball now, is a true freshman. I, I get that. But part of the frustration for the 2012 season was the semi-level of uh, just badness and, and uh, you hate to use this word, but incompetence with him as a head coach because of what he inherited. And when you go back and you hear you know, some of the things that happened in the offseason, it appears that he lost that team before the season even started. And so mm-hmm. that's, I think, to, to Kelly's point, yes and no. They, they did play more difficult teams, but they were far more talented too. Luke, was that, was that the very same Jamie Collins that was on the roster that Ellis Johnson said would never play a game in the NFL? It wasn't good enough. Possibly, I mean, there, there's a yeah, there's an urban legend that Jamie Collins apparently went to Ellis Johnson in in the spring of that year and said, "Coach, we need our our workouts to be far more tougher uh, because they're not they're not tough enough. They're not developing us." And apparently, Ellis Johnson at that point kind of ripped the whole team about that, and that's apparently where they lost him. I mean, I've heard that numerous times, but it was Jamie Collins. Who is now who has played professional football for you know over seven years right. was basically asking him to have a harder conditioning program, and he revolted against it, and you know you you lost the football team. So you look at that roster; there were there was enough talent to have to have a winning season that year. I agree, uh, Kelly. Yeah, we're gonna, go, we're going to bring you back to, at the end of the show because I, I do want you to get a chance to talk about the NFL. Uh, I know you had a pretty good weekend. <laughs> When it when it came to the NFL, but uh, but your final thoughts about the game Saturday and and where we where we sit here at the first of November, and and I heard what Coach Billings was talking about being positive, but sometimes when you hear that, well, let's be positive. That let's be positive. Sometimes that actually makes guys mad, you know, when you're saying mm-hmm. let's be positive because there's nothing to be positive about. Right. I mean, some sometimes you just got to get ticked off. You know, right. because and and so when the coach said, "Well, let's be positive." Well, the question would be, "Positive about what?" Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, just shoot straight with the guys. Look, we have not been good up to this point, but we have to pretend that that didn't happen, and we got to get, we got to toughen up, we got to stick this thing out. Let's get to work. And I think Luke has made me realize, Kelly, that North Alabama's not just a gimme. I mean, they're not going to come in here and just roll over. And, uh, and play dead. So the Golden Eagles need to get on the practice field and uh, put the Rice game behind them and get ready to saddle up again Saturday, right? I don't have any choice. All right, Kelly Santa returns. We're going to let him brag about the Cincinnati Bengals before the hour's over. So stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a one day, on a Monday, not a one day, a, a lose day, <laughs> as we're talking about a loss uh, from uh, from Saturday. You may be licking your wounds as Southern Miss uh, def- is defeated by Rice. And man, cheer yourself up. Go to 4th Street Bar and Grill, home of the 895 lunch, showing Monday night football tonight. Uh, the <clears throat> game of the week tonight for, for uh, the NFL and, and an opportunity 
For you to eat some really good food, remember Wing Wednesday's coming up, 24 wings for only $15. We appreciate their support of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Uh, the discussion of uh, Rice and the Eagles falling to 1-5, and five, uh, just kind of we are in November now, and Athletic Director Jeremy McLean has already stated that he wants a head coach uh, at the end of this month or the first week of the next month in December. And uh, here to uh, to talk to us about that, Bob, uh, Bob, a great expert who knows the inside on stuff like this. Uh, why don't you introduce our next guest? Yeah, Dick Vogel is a former head of the Eagle Club, now at William Carey University. Knows a lot about raising money for college athletics. Speaking of Fourth Street, though, Dick, you know a lot about it, eating in these good restaurants around Hattiesburg, too, don't you? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we asked Dick to come on the show because, uh, like I say, he knows so much about the – the inside game of hiring coaches in college football. Uh, Dick, uh, Jeremy McClain, we, we think a lot of. We think he's a really articulate, bright, young athletic director. But you're telling us off the air, he, he's got a big, big job in front of him. Kind of summarize that initially, if you will, please. Well, I, I think, to me, the biggest need is going to be recruiting. And that's because the world in, in college football has changed. You know, we were talking about how we could own some of those players that didn't go to Alabama or Auburn or didn't go to LSU. But now there's so much competition at our level, you're fighting, you know, for every one of those players. So if, if the pool for assistant coaches is as good as been discussed, I think the real need needs to be a very diversified staff like, like uh, Coach Fedora has, where he had four guys that had really good Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama recruiting ties. You know, I can just off the top of my head, like Barney Farr, Tony Hughes, Frank Wilson, and Deke Adams, for example. And then he hired a top-notch offensive coordinator and defense coordinator. That's the start of Blake Anderson's career. And I think you all remember Darrell Wyatt. So, I mean, we were really set uh, in the right direction. And I think whoever the new head coach is, that's exactly what he has to do. You know, I heard in the first segment that, you know, the talk about Ellis Johnson. You know, I don't blame Ellis per se, but he had the wrong staff. He hired a lot of old former head coaches that, you know, just didn't have the fire in their belly mm-hmm. and couldn't get that team, you know, team motivated. Had a lot of talent, but they weren't young coaches. They didn't relate. And, you know, a disaster took place. Do we need to follow the model that we did with Larry Fedora and Todd Munkin? Bright, young coordinators, full of energy, full of knowledge. Is that the, is that the road you would advise Jeremy McLean to search? I would, but I would make sure, like, you know, believe it or not, Blake Anderson came from Louisiana Lafayette. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't hire Division three type of football coaches, no matter how successful they are, because you got to recruit kids that will fit the D1 program. So where you might be able to have a 5-6 wide receiver at the D3 level as fast as lightning, you know we need a 6-2 wide receiver at the D1 level. Mm-hmm. So, it's, you know, we, we gotta have, we've got to have a good combination, you know, of, of folks. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what's missing now. And, you know, every one of our coaches has got to be looking for a job right now. Right. Luke, get in here. Uh, so. Dick, the, the best scenario to me is there, there's no way Southern Miss can – we asked Jeremy about this last week, you know, the concept of a, quote, splash hire. It's probably the number one used term. It's the most misunderstood term. Uh, you don't If you don't have Power 5 money, you can't, quote, make a splash hire. And, uh, and so 
We, we've been discussing some names. Chadwell from Coastal Carolina only makes, you know, 300000 The buyout's around seven fifty. I just don't see how Southern Miss can afford any other FBS coach with a buyout. So you've got to be looking at a coordinator. The best-case scenario for me is you bring in a coordinator, and on that staff you bring somebody that you know is going to take over the program in three or four years if the head coach has success, and then you set yourself up for six or seven, maybe eight years of success before you have to look for a head coach again. Well, you just talked about the Boise State model, and there's not a better model than that one. Where I, I want to say, now it's been a few years, but where in the seven-year period they went through three head coaches and never had to go outside to hire a coach because the assistant coach was right on the staff that took over. And, that you know, that's what we need. We need to find an up-and-coming Larry Fedora, Todd Munkin. Um, I think with Casey Dunn's Oklahoma State right now, I yes. mean, someone like that would be phenomenal. I don't know if you could get him, and I don't know if you could get that, you know, the head coach at Coastal Carolina. The thing is, he's a hot commodity. What? What makes our fans think that not another great program is going to come after him? They can offer him two million dollars. So, you know, I'm, I'm with what you. About... I think we need to... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I think we need to find a, a good offensive coordinator that might be able to bring his O line coach with him, and might even be able to bring a D line. You know, if we have to go out and hire, you know, I personally think the world is Tim Billings. I think he's the hardest working most personal person I've ever met, and I just feel horrific that he's been put in this situation. But you remember his defense of two, two years ago was pretty darn solid. But right. he's an old, experienced coach. Right. But you got to have yeah. that good mix. Help, help our listeners, because I think people say, we could have done that Boise State model, and Blake Anderson could have been the coach in 2012, and everybody knows what that may have looked like because he has gone to a, a group of five school. He stayed there. Talk to our listeners about the importance or the non-importance of having someone related to Southern Miss as the head coach. I think Southern Miss has uh, Southern Miss fans fan base has that higher on the priority list when it comes to a coach rather than maybe it should be. Um, you know, I, I think the key is 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 loyalty to the program someone from the geographical area. I mean, I, I think any coach that's going to come here that turns this program around is probably not going to stay. So I think it, it, it's, right. more, it's better to have a top-notch coach that we can get that's an up-and-comer, and as long as he surrounds himself with some quality people uh, that can take over the program. Like the perfect example was, and, and I don't know what really happened with Blake Anderson. There's so many rumors uh, floating around on that. But if Blake had taken over, I know for a fact people like Deke Adams would have stayed in our staff. We would have kept several coaches, so we wouldn't have lost all the recruits we've lost. We would have had stability on the staff, which we didn't have. So that's why it's so important to have your next coach you know, right here on the staff. And what I hear you say is, is the assistant coaches are just as important as the head coach hire. I honestly believe that with a passion. And um, and that's what I'm saying. I, I promise you, when you called me to come on the show, I studied all the old staffs. And he, even better, I felt, than Todd Monken's staff. And Todd did a great job with, with Fedora's staff. You know, the way he came in here and turned this program around, and it was, and it was because he brought in some, some top-notch recruiters and combined them with some top-notch offensive and defensive people. 
Well, you know, when you say that, and I agree with you, but you know what bothers me about that, Dick, is, uh, you know, now we hear, oh, there's going to be X million dollars for the assistant staff and that sort of thing. Why didn't you give that to the coach that was already here? Why didn't Hobson have the privilege of having that kind of money to hire the assistance that, that he needed. I think it's unfair to blame Jay Hobson for everything. Oh, I, I totally agree. Jay's one of the finest people I know, and I get so livid when I read these Southern Miss boards, and I'm, I still bleed Southern Miss, I promise you, and I read all the boards, and it is so upsetting to hear people talk bad about him for that very very reason. And the same thing with Jeff Bauer. Right. Jeff never had the money to, to keep some really yep. top-notch assistants. And... Uh, so you know, the days of loyalty are over. Like I think of Bobby Collins of how he kept all those assistants until they went to SMU, right? Because they were all close and it was family. But those days are gone because there's so much money on the table out there. Right. So I got a minute left, uh, Dick. Or uh, is the school going to learn its lesson? Is it going to do what you've just suggested that you go get a good young coordinator, you give him a staff so that. If he leaves in three years, there's some stability. There would be someone on the staff that could step right up and keep stability in the program. You think they're going to listen? I, I think Jeremy McLean is, is a really – I'm more worried about keeping Jeremy McLean than I am of anything else. <laughs> right. I think he's, a, he's an up-and-coming superstar, and I think he knows what has to be done. And that's why I, I personally feel very confident that this is really his hire and he knows what he's doing. And I think Luke and I both share that with you, the great confidence that we have uh, in Jeremy McClain. And we have equal confidence in your input, my friend. And uh, I, I, thank you for, I thank you for sharing that. You did a fantastic job uh, as head of the Eagle Club. You're doing the same thing now at William Carey University, which is another school we love dearly around thank here. And uh, we, we thank you for all you've done uh, for the two programs, and uh, we thank you for your time, Dick. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you for everything, Bob. All right. Nick Vogel, everybody, from William Carey University, former head of the Eagle Club. Really a guy that really knows the in and outs of of college sports. We appreciate his input. All right. We're going to have, Luke, we're going to have to let Kelly brag a little bit in the last segment. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? The Saints won, too. I don't know why why you're, you know, all pro Bengals. I, well, I can, well, you can you, answer when we get back from break. We're used Maybe to the Saints winning. Maybe you're on the Bengals bandwagon no, 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 now. Maybe no, you're no, going to no, do no, that. No. I don't want to be on a bandwagon with shaky wheels. We're used to seeing the Saints win. I, I think it's fair to say we're not used to seeing the Bengals win. But Kelly will tell us all about it next. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Last segment of this Monday brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg. Located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg and online, toyotahattiesburg.com. When you need to make your next vehicle purchase, let Toyota of Hattiesburg help you with that. Proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel are good friends at First Bank. Been with us from the beginning. Go see them out on Highway 98 West in Hattiesburg. That's home of the perfect 10, Mr. Reggie Collier himself. Conference USA over uh, the weekend, um, some results, and uh, it was an interesting weekend. We had talked about, you know, some of these big games and 
Some of these games didn't pan out like we thought they would. One that did, BYU crushed Western Kentucky 41-10. to Florida Atlantic at home uh, defends Boca Raton, defeats UTSA 24-3. to Of course, Southern Miss falls to Rice 30-6. to La Tech, the Bulldogs, wow. Louisiana Tech defeats UAB in overtime 37-34. to and Duke blows out Charlotte 53 to 19. Conference USA updated standings in the West. UAB in first place, 2 and 1. Louisiana Tech 3 and 2. UTSA 2 and 2. Rice 1 and 1. North Texas 1 and 2. Southern Miss 1 and 2. UTEP 0 and 2. In the East, Marshall perfect 3 and 0. Florida Atlantic 2 and 1. Charlotte 2 and 1. Middle Tennessee 2 and 3. Western Kentucky 1 and 2 and FIU 0 and one NFL Kelly Sander, take it away. How about them Bengals? Wow, how about them Bengals, Kelly? Yeah, yeah, and we're going to go there, guys, for sure. But I, but just um, the the bowl projections are starting to come out now. Where are we going? Not. Well, Southern Miss isn't listed as a potential bowl team. I'm sorry <laughs> to say, um, but right now only four Conference USA teams are being listed as possible bowl contenders: Marshall, FAU, UAB, and UTSA. Yeah. Not not Louisiana Tech, but those are the four teams being listed as bowl contenders for Southern Miss. Uh, some bad news, unfortunately, out of Ole Miss practice today. And I know this is Southern Miss show, but um, but uh, Prayer Warriors, we want to be thinking about uh, Demarius Thomas, who is the freshman tight end for Ole Miss. He's a freshman out of Watley, Alabama, who was actually recruited by Lane Kiffin. He was injured in practice today and is, is, has no feeling mm. in, in any part mm. of his body. He has been airlifted. Uh, and he was conscious, and players said that uh, Coach Kiffin was vis- visibly shaken uh, when they would touch, you know, DeMarcus on his feet and his hands. That do you feel this? Do you feel this? And he doesn't feel anything. So, um, yeah, we pray that uh, that he'll be okay there. Uh, in the NFL, uh, there's tomorrow's the trading deadline. The New Orleans Saints are on the move today. They have traded for All-Pro linebacker Quan Alexander from the San Francisco 49ers. Quan Alexander headed to the Saints. New Orleans will send to San Francisco in return. They will send Kiko Alonso and a conditional fifth-round pick next year to San Francisco for Quan Alexander. And actually, those two teams, San Francisco and New Orleans, will play each other in Week 10. So that ought to be interesting. And ending the news headlines today, guys, the, the folks at Twitter actually compiled tweets to determine which team is the most hated in the National Football League. Now, don't look this up. I just want to get your guesses. According to Twitter, based on hateful tweets, what team would you think is the most hated in the NFL, Luke? Mm, I mean, Patriots. Uh, it's the, the most polarizing team. What do you think, Bob? I think the Cowboys. Actually, according to Twitter, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers mm. is the most hated team in the <laughs> NFL. Uh, they, broke it, they broke it down even by states. And in Mississippi, what do you think is the most hated team, according Falcons. to Twitter? Falcons. That's correct. Right. Boy, it didn't right. take you long to... Well, I'm going to say this, Kelly, before we run out of time. I watched Pittsburgh and Baltimore yesterday. Pittsburgh got the best-looking defensive football team I've seen in some time. They and I are big you, Mike, and brutal. Yeah, and Mike Tomlin never never gets votes for Coach of the Year. He's so a heck of a coach. He sure is, and they're there. Steady Eddie, man. The Steelers, you can always count on them being pretty right. doggone good. And I don't like them, 
Right. But now, uh, obviously, all right, I'm Luke. Gonna, he's not going to say it. He's not going to say it. Apparently, but Cincinnati right. beat Tennessee yesterday, and Kelly Sander off the air uttered these two words in the same sentence: Cincinnati. These three words: Cincinnati Super Bowl. But Bob, let's. Pete Prisco <laughs> of CBS Sports said that Joe Burrow is so good, is so good, even as a rookie. That he thinks that all things being equal, the Bengals will win a Super Bowl with Maybe. him as the quarterback in the next ten years. That was a huge win for them yesterday, Kelly. That's a yeah, really the good Titans, team they beat. Yeah, the Titans. Were, I mean, if the Bengals can play any kind of defense, their offense now in the last two weeks has ranked second in the NFL. So, really? are you wearing a Bengals shirt today, Listen, Kelly? You know, I, I pulled it out, Bob, and for some reason, it shrunk. <laughs> That's happened to you a lot through the years. It I does. I don't, I don't know if, it's, if I take it to the wrong dry cleaners or, or what. And I did Let's mention also, guys, uh, I went, Nick, I went Nick tr- Mullins went 18 to 25, two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, they fell short to Seattle. But, yeah, Nick had a big game. And I did not talk trash to Michael Mergens. I texted him this morning. We were talking about something radio-related. Didn't talk trash. Saints beat the Bears. And over. Yeah, he told me the Saints uh, got lucky with the referees. The referees really helped the Saints out. Is that true? And Bob, referees Bob, tried to take it from the Saints. <laughs> I did want to tell you guys, too, I went trick-or-treating, trick-or-treating this weekend, went to Hunter Biden's and got a laptop. How about that? <laughs> well, let me know what you find on it, will you please, Man, that's, that's a pretty generous guy. <laughs> All right. Eagle Hour wraps up a Monday. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. All the guys. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.